Welcome one, welcome all. Glad you're with us. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. And welcome to those of you on the network all throughout the great state of Wisconsin and well beyond the borders as well. We continue so much going on in the NFL. I mean, uh, you talk about a news cycle. Holy mackerel. Coaches hired, fired, former coaches filing lawsuits. You've got Harbaugh heading over to Minnesota, or, uh, Minnesota to interview with the Vikings. You've got Cincinnati and L.A. getting ready to meet up on the grandest stage, coming out of an incredible couple of weeks of postseason football. And it's just it's it's almost been there's so much going on right now. Uh, and we, we'd love to talk about it. Our buddy Mark Schofield from uh, NFL Wire now joining us on the hotline. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Bill. Yeah, I mean, the way you teed it up, I don't know where you're going to begin. There's like 16 different places you could start with everything that's going on. Let's let's start, first of all, with the, the grandest of stage, and that is the Super Bowl. You've got L.A. as the visiting team, Cincinnati as the home team. Uh, Cincinnati to get there, I got to admit, I, I was one of the pessimistic uh, few, or many, I guess you could say, that said there's no way they're going into Arrowhead and getting a win. So do you look at that? Because I give Joe Burrow a ton of credit for standing in there, being able to deliver, and, and ultimately getting his team into position to win that ballgame and McPherson to split the uprights. But I also look at Andy Reid. In the second half of that ballgame, it's almost like he got outcoached. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I had zero faith in Zach Taylor. But he did. That, that, that defense played a different style of football between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They didn't adjust. Yeah, you're exactly right, Bill. They didn't. I mean, in the second half of that game, Lou Amarano, the defensive coordinator, they read 45% of their snaps, I believe. They dropped eight into coverage. And they couldn't come up with an answer. Andrew Reed and company couldn't come up with an answer for it. They dared Patrick Mahomes to be patient and to take some check downs and, you know, to throw the ball away, or they dared them to run the football. And they didn't do those things. And you certainly saw it on the two sacks right before the field goal to – sent it to overtime where on both plays they dropped eight the third the, the third down sack was sam hubbard as a spy who eventually got the sack actually on both plays mahomes didn't have anywhere to go and tried to make too much happen ended up taking sacks and that was kind of the story of the second half was their ability to make that adjustment on the defensive side of the ball and then kansas city's inability to come up with an answer whether it was you know doing some stuff underneath taking some check downs or even just say look we've got a lead we'll run the ball and force them out of this drop eight coverage to try to get them to back to that single high stuff that will give us some opportunities to throw it downfield. They failed to adjust to the adjustments and now they're going to be watching the Super Bowl like the rest of us. The, uh, the Rams uh, and what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo and company, eventually Garoppolo became Garoppolo. Matthew Stafford gets the win. Um, talk to me about the, first of all, what McVay finally gets a win over Shanahan after the last uh, previous six tries. But what this means to that Rams team that basically went all in this season to bring all these pieces together. And OBJ, too. I mean, this guy has proven that, hey, I, I don't have to be a cancer in the in the locker room. I can just go about my business if we've got the right pieces in place. Right. I mean, I, I think, though, it's obviously the, at first blush is a justification for the Matthew Stafford trade because, you know, in thinking about that NFC Championship game, if they had failed to win, if they had failed to advance the Super Bowl after going all in, like you said, with – you know, the Stafford trade, the Vaughn Miller trade, the Odell signing. I mean, it would have really put some stress and had some people questioning that thought process about giving up all the draft capital they've given up to go get those players, and now you're not even making it to the Super Bowl. So I think it's a justification for what Les Snead did and what they did in the front office. From McVay's perspective, 
They did some things on the offensive side of the ball that obviously that was a very good San Francisco defense, but they found ways to attack in the passing game. They found some ways to get something going on the ground. And then on the defensive side of the ball, obviously it helps when you have Vaughn Miller. It helps when you have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. But I was very impressed with actually Troy Reader, you know, because going into that game, and I know we talked about it, can you stop the run? Can you slow down the run? Can you find ways to prevent yourself from being outgapped? They were very aggressive. Reader as an inside linebacker, Eric Weddle, the first snap of the game, he's aligned sort of at depth, but comes crashing downhill to get a stop. They put David Lawn, one of their cornerbacks, in the box a ton. They were very physical and very fast downhill against the run to slow down that run game. They had a lot of plays where those guys were coming downhill and getting stops. You had guys on the edges that were preventing run plays from getting to the outside. Vaughn Miller in particular had one very good play where he just out deep comped in the right tackle and got a tackle for a loss behind the line. And so I was very impressed watching that game and then rewatching it Monday, Bill, with how they played on the defensive side of the ball, particularly some of those guys I mentioned. Uh, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford coming out after toiling for years and years and years in Detroit. I was asked, um, does this justify the, the trade for Stafford? And I said, look, Jared Goff got him to a Super Bowl. This is not about getting there. This is about winning. If they don't win it, then no, it doesn't justify the trade. On the other hand, you got Joe Burrow, who take, he comes in and takes what many thought to be a kind of going in the opposite direction LSU team. To a, to a national title, and now in two years, he's got Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Who's Who needs this more for legacy boost, so to speak, Matthew Stafford or Joe Burrow? I mean, I, I think the easy answer is Stafford because, obviously, he's been in the league longer. You mentioned the trade, and certainly getting to the Super Bowl, it, it helps to justify the trade, but you got to win the Super Bowl to fully justify it. And if they sort of struggle – they don't win. If Safford struggles, there's certainly going to be some questions about, again, was it all worth it? Jared Goff had put you to a Super Bowl. Now you didn't win it, perhaps in part because of Jared Goff's indeci- indecisiveness and slow decision-making and, and hesitation on some plays against the Patriots. But if Stafford has similar struggles, those questions will rise again. You know, with Burrow, it's his second year. He's coming off of a major injury that ended his rookie season, and now he has the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl in year two, and he's doing it when they're struggling to protect them, and now you're going up against the guys we've talked about, Donald, Miller, Floyd, a very good defensive front. And so I think in terms of legacy, at least at first blush, it's Stafford. But whenever we get sort of a younger quarterback into a big game, into a Super Bowl early in their career, I always come back to Dan Marino against the Niners in the 80s when it was like, oh, well, Dan Marino lost this one. Okay, he'll be back, though, and he never got back. And so while I do think that Stafford, this is more important for him from a legacy perspective, I just I always get wary just assuming that a, a young quarterback who may lo- maybe loses a Super Bowl is automatically going to get back there, but sometimes you never do. Talking with Mark Schofield of NFL Wire, joining us, you can find him at Mark Schofield over on Twitter. So now you've got, uh, obviously, the biggest stage is set. They're polishing up SoFi Stadium. We're all getting ready to reconvene out in L.A. beginning this weekend and then get on the air next week. 
And then this, Flores drops this bomb that the hiring practices are a joke, that he is being asked to throw games, that people are showing up to interviews drunk. Uh, it, you know, it, 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 it's the wor- there's never a good time for this, but this is probably the worst possible time. And in addition to that, uh, a big Washington Post article just comes out that says, hey, the, the Washington football team is now the commanders basically using the military to say rah, 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 when still the fish stinks from the head down behind the scenes. And that investigation was never complete. And we haven't heard anything about Gruden's lawsuit. The NFL has got a lot of negativity floating around it right now, doesn't it? It certainly does, Bill. Um, you know, and like, like you mentioned, there's never a good time for a lawsuit like this. But, you know, now they're going to have to face questions about that. They're going to have to face questions about the Washington football team, now the commanders and the investigation, the, the Gruden emails. You know, that's going to be a big topic of discussion. And this all sort of coming out during this week, which is sort of a, a quiet week, obviously from NFL. Yeah, you've got the Senior Bowl and you know, you've got the Shrine Bowl that's going on, and you've got some other things on the NFL calendar. But this is kind of a time when we're all looking to sort of find things to talk about. And now we've got these stories, which I'm sure the NFL isn't too happy about. But, you know, they're going to have to deal with this. And with respect to the Flores lawsuit, I mean, there's a lot in there that obviously it's a lawsuit. These are allegations. But you can certainly understand a lot of what's being alleged here. We've seen the Rooney Rule and how it perhaps has not in, not provided the desired effects, you know, and the allegations of the lawsuit from, you know, Brian Flores, which is, you know, these are sort of sham interviews, you know, particularly in light of the Bill Belichick text conversation. Seems like there's meat to that discussion. Then when you start bringing in the allegations of potentially losing games and ownership saying, you know, we'll pay you bonuses for losing games, that gets you to an integrity of the game discussion. Even worse, you know, the, the, the tie-in between Stephen Ross and, you know, his investments in a gambling company, you know, that opens up that door into, well, relationships between owners and having a stake in gambling companies, and now they're asking coaches to throw games. There's a lot, and these are going to be questions that will be asked of every single person, every single you know, other team owner or general manager down in L.A. for the, senior bowl, for the Super Bowl, excuse me, during media week. It's going to be a lot that they're going to have to deal with, and I'm sure they're not too happy about it right now. The uh, the allegation that uh, not only was there the willingness to throw a game and actually pay for it, but then the tampering because of his, re- his relationship with Tom Brady, the tampering side of things, this is really strong. I mean, we've already dealt with the sexual innuendos and such and all the ha- harassment that's gone on behind the scenes in the Washington football team at the time. But this is now on the field tossing a game. We saw what happened with the Eagles when Doug Peterson ended up getting fired. We know this is something that, you know, there are teams that want to say, hey, we want to see some younger guys, and I get it, and maybe if you lose the game along the way that you actually get a better draft choice. But this is an owner saying, throw games and I'll pay you for it. If any of this is true, do you think that Stephen Ross should even be allowed to be an owner in the NFL if this is true? Yeah, I mean, Bill, if this stuff is proven to be true, I don't see how you could allow him to be an owner anymore. I mean, this, and you know that the NFL has a history of when the integrity of the game gets called into question, that's when they sort of spread into action, whether it was previous investigations, Spygate, Deflategate, Bountygate, they would get to the integrity of the game on the field. That really sort of gets them riled up. And so I'm sure that a park place right now in the NFL office is a 365 there's certainly some angst and ire and concern about the hiring practices being alleged by Brian Flores. 
but in a way there might be almost more angst about the allegation of throwing games and tanking games like that gets to the integrity of the game part where we've seen the nfl in years past in investigations past really sort of get laser focused on that and so it would not surprise me if in the coming days like that's really where the nfl sort of wants to focus this and you know yeah like you said if an owner is saying look we've got to lose games we've got to get a better draft position that's a that's a reflection that impacts the on the field product and especially now when you have all these gambling tie-ins i've already seen people say it on social media mostly in jest right now but hey you know what if i bet on this game now you're losing it on purpose like when you start getting that angle involved, that's also a big slope that people don't want to go down. So, yeah, if those stories, those allegations hold up, if those are proven true, I don't see how the NFL can let Stephen Ross continue as the owner in Miami. Right. No, I completely agree. I, I want to move on to some on-the-field, more on-the-field stuff. Uh, first and foremost, uh, in uh, Chicago, you got Eberflus being hired and bringing in Luke Getze, the quarterback's coach of the Green Bay Packers. Clearly, that Packers coverage starting to be picked over. Nathaniel Hackett, great ends coach, is his offensive coordinator out in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett is now gone. And, and then you've got Harbaugh today interviewing in Minnesota. When he had said before, I clearly want to remain as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, but all of a sudden now he's looking back over the NFL fence. And uh, you've got a, a GM down in Chicago saying they're going to take back the North and never give it back. I mean, the, the crosshairs have never been more focused on the Green Bay Packers, I think, with everything hanging in the air right now regarding Aaron Rodgers than ever before, at least in the last 30 years since they've started this Hall of Fame quarterback play. Give me your thoughts on the NFC North and the shape that it's starting to take. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to, to sort of see what's playing out in the North right now. I mean, I think started with the Vikings. I'm still convinced that that Harbaugh is using this sort of as a, <clears throat> excuse me, a ploy to perhaps get a better deal with Michigan. He obviously looked at what Tucker got for Michigan State, and that's kind of what he wants. So I think he's using this more as a leverage and posture play. <clears throat> excuse me. But I do think that if he goes there, if he goes to Minnesota, he can put together a pretty good staff. I've seen rumors of Pep Hamilton, perhaps as offensive coordinator, which is a, a road that I think would be smart for any team to go down. I've been a fan of Pep and what he's done both with Justin Herbert last year, even with Davis Mills this year. These rumors are potentially Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. That would be a pretty good three-person staff at the top of that coaching roster. So I think if Harbaugh does decide to make that move, Minnesota could be in a, a very interesting position. Now, Chicago, I still think they have a lot of work to do around Justin Fields. Um, they, they have to rebuild that offensive line. I think that's where Paul's the new general manager is going to want to go first is really sort of beef up that offensive front to protect Justin Fields in the pocket. So I think that's where they're going to go. Obviously Detroit, they've got a lot of draft capital. They're going to be watching the Super Bowl intently because they have that Rams first round pick will be 31, 32. And what do they do with their first pick in the first round? And so there's a lot of moving parts in the North. I still think, look, if 12 comes back, Green Bay still going to be pretty good. I mean, because 12, if you get 17 to come back as well, if they find ways to bring those guys back, this is still a very good team. Yes, there is some brain drain, but you have the talent on the field. If Rodgers, the Adams, if they leave, that's when it gets really tricky looking at the state of the NFC North. 
Uh, I'll let you catch your breath for a minute because I got one more question for you. And the question is, we heard Ian Rappaport on uh, the, uh, the, the, the show that uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously does. And he ended up saying that um, he said that the Packers badly want Rodgers back. Now, if on the Pat McAfee show, he says this and then says they badly want him back. Is To me, that's an indicator that they clearly don't feel that Jordan Love, either one, is the guy or two, is anywhere near ready to take over that team and have any kind of success. Do you feel the same? I think generally, Bill, yeah. I, I think, you know, they, they, look, they see Love every day. They saw, obviously, they start against Kansas City. And they're also looking at Aaron Rodgers, who in the last two years has played at an MVP level. And I think when you have a quarterback that is still playing at that level, you know, regardless of how you feel about the number two guy, yeah, you want him back. Um, so I, I think, look, if you're LaFleur, you know, you're looking at this this roster, you're looking at the way Rodgers has played the last two years, you certainly want that guy back under center for you as long as he wants to remain there, as long as you can have him, because he remains, despite what happened against San Francisco, one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now. He is playing at such a high level. And, yes, at some point you might have to make the switch to Jordan Love, whether it's two years from now or whatever. But I think with the way Rodgers is playing, you certainly want to construct your offense around number 12. Now, can Jordan Love get there? Yes, he can. He's talented. He's got two years now in the system to sort of piece things together. And if the Packers have to make a move to Jordan Love to be the week one starter for the 2022 season, I'm sure they can do things to build around him, to get him ready, to get him in a position to be successful. But I don't think you're going to see the level of play that you're seeing from Rodgers, from Jordan Love, anytime soon. And so I think given what you've seen the last two years, that would certainly, look, if it were me, that would certainly be my preference. Look, give me more years of 12 playing like this. I'll take that any day. Right, no doubt. Uh, Mark, great stuff as always. We're going to see you out in L.A.? Um, I'm not going to be out in L.A., but maybe Indy for the combine. Okay, well, we might catch you down the combine then as well. Appreciate it, pal, as always, okay? Thanks so much, Bill. Always a blast. Take care. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. There you go. Mark Schofield uh, of NFLWire.com. You can read his stuff there, at Mark Schofield, over on Twitter as well. And uh, great to talk to him, man. A lot of different stuff to cover. There's so much in the news cycle coming out regarding the NFL. Uh, you, you can throw a dart at a dartboard at this point, and there's stories to talk about. Here's the question. And I asked Mark this. I'll ask this to you. So you look at this game upcoming. And you say to yourself, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford is this justification for Matthew Stafford if indeed he should win this game regarding the Super Bowl. Okay? Is it is it justification? Uh, if he wins it, great. It can add to his lore. Does he then become, because of his statistics, does he then become the possibility of a Hall of Fame quarterback? Should he maybe even get there again? Joe Burrow? Obviously, early on in his career, he has had a, an enormous amount of success. But one of these two quarterbacks, think about this for a minute, will be two and will have won as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. So what does that do for them? And who needs it more? Because if Joe Burrow wins, he will then have taken LSU – a, a, at the time, the program was kind of teetering with Ogeron. And now Cincinnati, a program that has been just a doormat for so many years, 
he will take a, both of those programs within a three-year period to championships. Think about that. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome. It is 2-2-22 today. In case you're uh, feeling a little superstitious, which some some are, some do, some take that to uh, take that to heart. I get it. Bill, are you a big Groundhog guy? Groundhog Day uh, guy? I, I, no, I'm really not. But I'll say this: I'm also um, an optimistic guy. So when it comes out like today at the uh, the Milwaukee County Zoo. Uh, his name is Gordy the Groundhog. He did not see his shadow today, so he's predicting an early spring. Whereas Puxatawney Phil did see his shadow today, and he's predicting six more weeks of winter. You know, so I mean, I don't know how accurate this this crap is. To be honest with you, I think Puxatawney um, Phil has a thirty two percent hit rate. Yeah, I which certainly if you're going to predict six more weeks of winter, it bodes well with me. So I'm I'm because if his thirty two percent proves uh, to be wrong yet again, then, then I'm all for it. Because I'm I'm you know me, man. Get me to Christmas, I'll see some snow, and then on uh, you know December twenty seventh, I want to see eighty five and sunny. So yeah, he's kind of a fraud. You know, you can get rid of all of this. I'm good with that. Um, you know, it, it's uh, the the whole superstition thing. I'm superstitious about certain stuff. You know, if you, I, the old adage is, if you are uncertain about your life, you will take things that mean something uh, in superstitious ways to to have some kind of meaningful impact in your life. If you are if you are uncertain about things, uh, but if you're very certain and prepared, and your life is on track, and you're doing things now, there's certain things that are out of your control. Yes, but usually you don't. Keep you stay awake at night or ponder things like uh, it used to be. You know, my I had a buddy of mine who every time he saw six 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 on a license plate, he would start you know chanting Jesus Christ because he believed that that was some you know significant way that some negativity through the devil was going to get into his life, and it was he was always panicked about stuff. But I'd always ask him, I'm like, what are you what are you worried about? And then he would say, well, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm like, well, if you're, are, are you doing things to fix those situations? Oh, no, I've just, I haven't, I haven't done that. Well, okay. Then you're uncertain about your situation to begin with. So that's in the back of your mind about being nervous. So if it goes wrong, you're going to blame it on three numbers on a license plate. You know, I, there, there's people that are like that. Now me, like when I played baseball years ago when I was a kid, I didn't step on the lines. I was always told not to. And then if I did and I, you know, ended up, you know, grounding out or something like that, then it was because I stepped in a line. So I never stepped in the lines. But I'm not a huge superstitious person when it comes to stuff like that. I, there are certain things I do believe in, but stuff like that, I don't you know. I don't put a lot of stuff like today, two, two, twenty two. Is that the Friday the 13th? Is that supposed to be bad other than the movie? You know, when Friday the 13th, the movie came out, then everybody freaked out. It was this negative day, doomsday thing. But I'm like, okay, what can possibly go wrong? Now your car can break down. 
you can have a snowstorm and have an accident. Okay. I understand all of that. But I don't think it's necessarily because, because if that were true, then everybody that didn't believe would be having accidents. And that doesn't happen that way. So are you superstitious in that, in that sense? Yeah, when it comes to sports, that's really it. I don't know. The way I look at winter, it's like I, I want to be able to play golf, and that's really it. Right. When I was in Pennsylvania, I guess it mattered a little bit. But here, I, I've kind of been trained here that it's cold until it isn't. I uh, I go by the Bull Durham uh, quote that when you're on a streak, you don't mess with the streak. So it's like buddies that right now I've got friends that have not washed their Cincinnati Bengals shirts or jerseys or hats or whatever since they started winning, when the season started really going really well. I got a buddy of mine who he went to a bar, he saw the first uh, the the first playoff game, and they won. And when everybody cheered, he got pizza and beer spilled all over him. And he says the thing reeks, it stinks, it's sticky and crusty, but he refuses to wash it. I'm That's like, American you're, you're, grit right there. That That is. That's just like you're just nasty. And uh, I understand you don't mess with a streak. If you go by the Bull Durham Kevin Costner rule, don't mess with a streak. I get it, but I don't think they're winning or losing because you got nastiness all over your jersey. Just in a, just, just, that's it, you know. <laughs> But I do think Punxsutawney Phil is kind of a fraud. Yeah, he is. He's nothing more than a uh, a groundhog that they pull up. And I don't even think it's the same one anymore, right? Didn't he die? Didn't the original one die years and years ago? And then oh, they've I used like know. two cents. I would yeah, assume so. They got a whole burial land of dead groundhogs back there somewhere. And uh, what is what is the name of the place uh, um, in, in, in Pennsylvania? What the hell is it? Oh, God, I can't think of the name where they pull this thing out of the ground. It's Gobbler's Knob. Gobbler's Knob is the place. Had to think about it for a minute. Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania. And they yank, which sounds to me like if you're in Gobbler's Knob, you're either maybe crafting something out of metal via old blacksmith or you're drinking. One of the two. There's not probably a lot to do in Gobbler's Knob, except for when the uh, the ascension of media start to uh to start to happen and everybody starts to to rise up and come there to see whether or not you're going to yank this 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 groundhog out of the ground and say and hold him up he's probably scared you know blankless and he's going to poop down your sleeve you hold him up to the world and say oh by the way you're the reason that we're going to have six more weeks of of winter and having all these people mad at him and then you're going to go drink afterwards well, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is i heard this morning bill that the groundhog in sun prairie bit the mayor's ear a couple years ago yeah, that's uh, that. That's not. Uh, that's not. That's not a legend. That's uh, that's true. He uh, hung on to the uh, hung on to the mare a little bit. So there's probably been more than a few groundhogs that have. I mean, what about the turkey? Wasn't it a turkey that spurred President Bush right in a right in a crotch? Didn't uh, didn't a turkey uh, peck at him? We'll say. I don't so, know. I I feel like we have. To there was talk. a president that had a turkey that went after his uh, went after his junk. I remember that. We're going to spare the turkey. We're going to pardon the turkey, the traditional pardoning of the turkey. And the turkey went to back, back, back him right, right in the helmet. Take the pardon so, away. Yes. <laughs> so that's beautiful. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, reset the program, put it back on the tracks. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Pella, fantastic people. All you got to do is uh, is give them a buzz. 855-PELLA-WI. 855-P-E-L-L-A. Pella-WI. We had a little bit of a reprieve. We had some 40s yesterday, at least in the area that I'm in, and near just west of Milwaukee. Had 40s. It was 44. We just came uh, a few degrees short of uh, hitting an all-time record. So it was nice and warm, but we're going to go back into the freeze. We know it's coming. It's already to the western portion of the state of Wisconsin. We see the the cold air that's starting to pipe in, and which is good because it's keeping that all that nasty you know storm to the south. But we know it's going to get here, and eventually going to be back into the cold. You're looking about uh, looking to be more economical in your home, and you're looking to make sure you keep the the cold air out in the uh, in the wintertime and the warm air out in the summertime. And there's no better way to do it. Then our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Go to P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. They install year-round. It's a free in-home consultation. There's no reason. I mean, it's free. They'll come out. They'll measure up your windows. They'll look around. You can pick out the different finishes. You can pick out what type of windows you want. They have six or seven different lines. They can all. You can pick out the hardware or the innovation. You can go with a roll screen, slider windows, whatever it is. Or you want the, the patio doors like I have, the ones where you got the toe kick. All you do is pop that thing over, and there's no way to get that door open. Even if it's unlocked, you don't have to worry about it because nobody's going anywhere. You don't have to put a stick in it or anything like that. The only way you're going to get into that house is if you drive a car through the window. That's it. It is safe. It is secure. We all want to be safe and secure in our own homes, and we want to be more economical. We want to be cozy. Or if you're looking to uh, sell your house and you want to add value, terrific way. Rated the best, by the way. Not by me. But rated by you, you the people that have put these things in their homes. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin are fantastic. Go to P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com, P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com, or call them 855-PELLA-WI. That's 855-PELLA-WI. There you go. Give them a shout. Uh, tell them we sent you. Good, good stuff. Um, the uh, Washington football team has gone with the Commanders. The Commanders. Uh, you know what? I don't mind it. It's, it's you know, it's Washington. It's D.C. It is what it is. But article in the Washington Post says that you're calling them the Commanders as if you're invoking some type of military feel and, you know, you're, you're playing behind the military and our sympathy in this, in this country for those men and women that are in the military that deserve credit, that deserve our support, Right. And yet, behind the scenes, you have all of this stuff, these allegations, still hanging in the wind. The NFL has never closed the investigation. They're just not talking about it. You've got an owner who has been by numerous people pointed out and pointed at as a tremendous problem, whether it's tampering with the team, sexual harassment charges, promoting a terrible culture. There's so many things. And they're hiding behind all of this. And, oh, by the way, look over here. Look over here. We've got our new logo. We've got our new colors. This is great. Look at us. You know. And in the meantime, all of this is still very uncertain because you're telling me the only thing that came out of the Washington football team investigation was John Gruden? And the NFL is kind of hiding behind that? So there's, there's that going on right now. There's that that's going on right now. Um, Nicholas says, hey, Bill, great show today. Dates don't bother me. They don't spook me. So today is 2-2-22. Okay? He says, but full moons do. 
People just flat out get weird on full moon days. I don't know. That that has been hasn't that been more proven as some kind of a uh a magnetic pull that can change feelings or emotion. Isn't that isn't that something that's been more proven? I don't know what type of an effect it has, but hasn't haven't scientists gone in depth to talk about the magnetic pull and circa certain you know, um, electrical impulses and stuff in the brain. I, I remember reading that when I was back in college, when I was taking a short term, uh, short class in psychology. I remember there was something about that, that there was scientific data that says there's different um, brain synapses or something to that effect when the magnetic pull of the earth is strongest, when it's full moon and whatever, you know. Uh, I think that's more proven. Now, how much of that I believe, I don't know. I think people look at the moon and go, oh, it's going to be a crazy night. And you talk yourself into being a bat crap crazy. Or you know it's coming. Oh, full moon tomorrow night. Oh, boy, everybody's going to be nuts. And then the next day, you're just thinking about people being nuts, and you turn into a nut yourself. But I can see it. I can see it. Uh, Rick says, Stafford's career has been a lot uh, like Archie Manning's, a supreme talent stuck on a bad team if he wins the Super Bowl and finishes his career on a high note with maybe a few division titles in L.A., then he should end up in the Hall of Fame. Rick, I, I'm going to side with you. If he wins this Super Bowl, okay, and still is a, because they're not going to be the same team next year. They have mortgaged their future for this year, for, for years down the road. Um, but... I'm going to look at the Rams in a, in a lot of the same aspect, where if he wins it this year with a good team around him, okay, great. Because we saw the defense is what beat San Francisco, in all honesty, right? I mean, Stafford threw what should have been a game-ending pick, and it wasn't. He short-armed one, and it should have been picked, and it wasn't. So we've seen that. If he goes on and wins a Super Bowl and plays well and then has additional playoff appearances in his situation there, I will agree with you. If he wins this Super Bowl and wins a Super Bowl MVP and then goes away, then do we say he's nothing more than maybe a rich man's version of Trent Dilfer, of Joe Flacco? He's had longer-term statistical analysis to say he's a better quarterback, but ultimately he's not. If they, if they win this Super Bowl because of, we'll say, the defense, and he still tosses up Matthew Stafford numbers where he, you know, 25 of 35, you know, 300 yards, but he also throws two touchdowns and a pick that's very untimely. Do we look at him and say, "Yeah, you're good, but you're you're not you're not Hall of Fame material. You're not you're not worthy." You know what I mean? So there's a lot there's there's a lot of legacy riding on this game for Matthew Stafford. Now, if he comes out and the ball is tipped in the air and it's a pick early on, and then after that he leads his team to uh, a Super Bowl, then it changes our perspective. On the other hand, now if he loses to Joe Burrow, is that a blemish on your record? Because I'm still getting a lot of people going, you can't lose to the Bengals. Well, the Bengals are in a Super Bowl, right? They're in the Super Bowl. It's not like it's the opening day or they're six games into a season. You're in a Super Bowl. They've made it there. 
Like it or not, they made it there. And they're with a quarterback who only a couple of years ago was hoisting the trophy for a national championship. Last year looked like he probably could have won the rookie of the year until he went down with a knee injury, comes back after rehab, and now takes his team and got the hell beat out of him along the way behind that craptastic offensive line. And now has his team in a Super Bowl. If he loses to Joe Burrow, who has proven himself along the way, is that a blemish on your record? You know? It's, it's, there's a lot of storylines to this upcoming game, and it's a shame that a lot of those storylines are going to be completely drowned out by what's going on off the field right now with all the innuendos and allegations regarding the NFL. It's, it's really... Like I said, you could throw it a dart at a dartboard in the news cycle of the NFL and talk about anything going on around the game right now. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Bengals and the Rams getting ready for the Super Bowl. We'll have updates every day on the Bill Michaels Show, live from L.A., and Super Bowl 56 beginning next week. After losing in Green Bay in November, the Rams went 8-1, learning to close games out in the fourth quarter. Rams defensive back Jalen Ramsey. That's kind of been our theme this week is finishing games because we that's something that, you know, in the past few weeks we felt like we weren't doing well enough, so... We just had to uh, stay focused and keep each other uh, upbeat and confident and and make sure we finish the game. The 49ers were a much better team in the second half of the season after starting off with a rash of injuries. San Francisco quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. That's kind of our year in a nutshell. You know, we were 3-5 and at one point. People wrote us off. uh, We just kept fighting. That's what good teams do. That's what tight brothers do. And, you know. I got no regrets from this year. The Bengals lost to Green Bay in overtime in early October. Since then, they've improved on offense under Zach Taylor and offensive coordinator 37-year-old Brian Callahan. It was nearly 20 years ago his father, Bill Callahan, led the Raiders to a Super Bowl and gave his son this advice. The one thing he told me a long time ago was that you worry about the, the job that you have and doing the best job you can where you're at. And whatever your job is, be the best at it. Don't worry about the next job or, your, or where you want to be in five years. Just do the best job you can do wherever you're at and do that to the best of your ability and i think that i've tried to live by that mantra for for my coaching career and not worry about anything other than what i can control and do the job that i can do at the very top level that i that i'm able to do it that's bengals offensive coordinator brian callahan i'm mike clemens on the bill michaels show Welcome back. How we looking? Bill Michael Show continues on this portion of the program. Brought to you by our friends over there at San Giorgio. If you're going to be heading downtown, whether it's to an Admirals game, which, by the way, the Admirals have been playing some good hockey. Admirals game, Marquette game, UWM game, Bucks game, for that matter. Uh, stop in and see our buddy Gino and the whole gang over at San Giorgio. Uh, the only authentic Napoletana pizzeria in the state. There's only so many of them even in the country. And we've got one here in our own backyard. They pair up some of their pizzas, the Bill Michaels specifically, with our friends over there at uh, at Cider Boys. And they pair that up down there. And it's, it's a terrific meal. It's just absolutely awesome. And ask for the Bill Michaels, and they can pair it up with you if you choose to do so. And otherwise, you can stop next door as, as well, the Calderon Club. 
And they just did a great event for uh, the officer, the police officer that was shot trying to prevent a robbery uh, downtown where they donated a, a good portion of the proceeds to uh, the officer's recovery. And uh, Gino down there, huge heart, long time in the community. Stop in, check out our friends at San Giorgio and Company and the Calderon Club down there. Uh, thanks to them. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. By the way, Ben, did you see Brian Kelly doing the dance? Yes, I did. Is there a bigger jackass on the face of the earth than Brian Kelly? I think it is absolutely hilarious. But part of me, galaxy brain moment, maybe he is purposely looking like an idiot in front of the country to boost the stock of his player so he can make NIL money. Because now everyone knows the player's name. Otherwise, I wouldn't have cared. Right, right. I, you know, oh, God. I was imagining. Isn't that the same Jamar Chase dance? That's the same one, right? Yes, I think so. I was imagining Paul Chris doing that with Caleb Williams. That obviously did not come to fruition. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. Not only is Caleb Williams not coming here, but I can't see Paul Chris doing a dance anytime soon. Um. Maybe, maybe if they, uh, they, you know, they win the Big Ten and go on to, you know, the Final Four, maybe he does. But I don't see Paul Chris doing a whole lot of dances. He, he's not, uh, he's not watching me dip and watching me nay nay. I know he ain't. That ain't happening. <laughs> Paul Chris, it's killing me. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Excuse me. Caleb says, uh, hey, unit, Matthew Stafford will never be a Hall of Famer. He was stuck on too many bad teams. He doesn't have the winning record to prove it. Uh, again, I go back to uh, it was the 2009 year he came in. They were 2-14, and 14, then 6-10, and 10, then 10-6, 10 and 6, turned it around. Then right back to 4-12, and 7-9, 11-5, turned it around. Then 7-9, and 9-7, 9-7, 6-10, 3-12, and then 5-11. and 11. Now, I will say this, the hiring of Matt Patricia was awful, absolutely awful. And it was terrible because, remember, Matt, Matt, Matt Patricia goes by the wayside, and then they turn it over to Daryl Bevel. Then they bring in Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell goes 3-13 and 13 in his first year, and 3-13-1, uh, I should say, in his first year. And uh, at least they're trying to install some kind of a winning culture. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not good. He was also hilariously injured through some of those years. He was banged up. He played through like a I'll broken neck. Yeah, he was banged up. I'll give you that. But there is nothing there. His numbers are good. But when you look at it, now, now let me give you this. When you look at their offensive rank, okay, their offensive rank and, and just in just total yards, because usually that's the one that everybody grabs uh, the first. Uh, you look at the overall rank of this team. They were 29th, 20th, 9th, 2nd, 5th, 5th, 17th, 24th, 19th, 21st, 28th, and 30th in Matthew Stafford's career. Only four times have they been in the top 10. The rest of the time, they were 17th or worse. Offensively speaking, how I, I I just you look at the statistics of Matthew Stafford, you can say, yeah, you know what, he's had some good seasons, but overall, the offense for the most important, but we talk about it all the time. Look, if we're going to criticize Aaron Rodgers 
for not being able to get victories and not being able to push his team past to get to a, a, a you know a, into an NFC Championship game and or Super Bowl, and you're going to criticize him, you can't then turn around and just say, "Well, Matthew Stafford gets a complete pass because the uh, the team around him was complete crap." I mean, Rodgers for many years was asked, "Here you go." Here's a team with a bunch of misfits that Ted Thompson tried to fit square pegs into round holes and may not have even given you all the weaponry in the world, even though he did have some good weapons when he first came into the league. May not have given you all the weaponry in the world. You got tired of it. You got pissed about it. You had your tantrum about it. But here you go. But every year you find yourself in the postseason. Well, Stanford's not even getting his team to 500. So the argument that Matthew Stafford, should he win this game, suddenly vaults him to Hall of Fame status, I... I know there's people that talk about this, and you can look at it and statistically argue it, but I cannot get past the years of losing, the years of ineptitude, the years of... Uh, now, his wife is pontificating about, see, I told you so, which uh, that's a whole other story, by the way. But I can't get past the fact that in the most important position, it's it's been a failure. Consistently a failure. Do you feel that his wife is grabbing headlines and grabbing looks and views, or she's just genuinely happy for her guy? Or can she do both? Have you watched Matthew Stafford's wife's uh, Instagram and videos and all that kind of stuff? I've ben, seen him. Chance? Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah. The uh, running up to him and, and literally wrapping her legs around him, taking kind of his moment and jumping in at his arms and not letting go, wearing the blue leather pants in the game, in the NFC Championship game, uh, in the aftermath the other day, was that her genuinely hugging her man, or was that her saying, look at me, check out my ass? Because in those pants, and she was running out and wrapped her legs around him, and was it was you, she was riding him like she was going to hang on for the full eight seconds. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know many wives that do that. She, and with all of her posts and all of her Instagrams and all of her F you to the world, because I told you so, it seems like she's trying to grab a few headlines herself along the way. Just my take on it. Ah, two hours down, two hours yet to go. Hang in there. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 